Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, July the 18th, 2023. All the headlines in traditional media and on social media seem to be about social media itself. Um, the Atlantic leads with how to redeem social media. Uh, next generation of platforms should avoid the mistakes of the previous one. We've had those pieces before. Another about how to short circuit the outrage machine of social media. We had uh, a show indeed about the outrage machine earlier this week. Another piece about uh, warning about how AI is going to make social media even worse, as if that might be possible. The ruining of lives through social media. This one associated with the Hugh Edwards story, a very prominent BBC journalist in the United Kingdom. Um, and a lot of it has been sparked by the appearance of threads, uh, Facebook's Twitter alternative, uh, the Instagram version of Twitter, uh, which has suddenly appeared. Um, some people don't believe it's going to be any different. There was an op-ed in the Washington Post today by uh, Kate Woodson suggesting that Facebook's Twitter or threads is no different from Twitter itself. Others believe it can be quite different. Adam Masseri, for example, um, who's a senior Facebook uh, executive, believes that Threads isn't for news and politics, and that's how it's going to be different from Twitter. It will get beyond all the anger, the unpleasantness, the sourness of Twitter. One man who's been giving a lot of thought to this is my guest today. Eric Yavabaum is a, is a veteran PR expert. He's the author of many books. Uh, one of his books, Leadership Secrets, um, sold uh, uh, over a million copies. Another uh, Public Relations for Dummies is on the bookshelf of all executives. And Eric is joining us from uh, Midtown New York to talk social media and particularly um, Twitter and threads. Eric, welcome. Um, what was your take when uh, Instagram or Facebook announced threads? Were you surprised by it? Uh, no, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, and by the way, so many more social mediums to come. Threads is just at this point, at this time, at this juncture of history, Threads is the latest, greatest, newest, and the one that we're all going to talk about. What is it? Because everybody's trying to figure it out. What is it? What isn't it? What will it be? How's it going to grow up? And a lot of that's going to be defined by the people that use it. Well, that's given, but... The point of uh, threads is to avoid politics. Is there anything in that? I mean, do you buy them? Uh, you know, yeah, that's what they say the point is. Interesting timing. I mean, as soon as the presidential elections get rolling, we'll see if that plays itself out, because I think people are going to want to talk about politics again, no matter what the forum is. Look, you have a huge exodus uh, from Twitter. Um, there is a hole in the marketplace. There is an opportunity for something like threads. If any of us can figure out exactly what it is, we know what they say they want it to be. And I'm all for that. I mean, it seems like so far and I play in all the social mediums, especially when they're new. You never know who's going to grow up to be, you know, Facebook and who's going to be MySpace. 
Um, and if social media is relevant to anything that you do for a living, uh, you got to play to understand it. But it, it's um, with, with so many people leaving Twitter right now, there is an opportunity. The thing is, is that if Threads just becomes another Twitter, uh, I, I don't I, I know that's not the objective. Yeah, again, I think that goes without saying. Um, has social media, Eric, failed? We've done many shows on social media, a lot with journalists and bloggers who were around at the beginnings when blogging was very fashionable, even before Twitter and Facebook existed. There was a lot of promise about connectivity and community. When you look back over the last 20 years, since really the birth of social media in around 2003, has it failed, do you think? Um, well, in some ways it's failed. In some ways it's been incredibly successful. I mean, it's changed the world. It's changed information dissemination. It's changed the way that we communicate it. You know, when I was younger, I, I mean, and still to this day, I'm in the news a lot. I mean, I was on real television shows. Now, anybody can have, you know, their own show anywhere that they want. And people are doing it, you know, incredibly successful. The big question to me about social media in general is, and I'll say the same thing about artificial intelligence, is do we use social media or does social media use us? We're the product. We're free. Are we using that for ourselves or are we, are we getting used by the, oh, you know, all the social media companies? And I, I think uh, the significant greater percentage of us are being used by social media and not using it. If we can find ways, all of us find ways to use social media, uh, it, it, you know, it can be a very, very positive thing. It, while, while we're getting used by it, while our algorithms are all being determined every single solitary day, that, that's not good. How are we being used then? Are we being mined for our personal information and having advertising sold against us, the so-called age of surveillance capitalism, or is it something even creepier than that? Well, surveillance capitalism is creepy enough, um, but, you know, it, it, you know, it's there. Um, and, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, not my quote, obviously, but, when, you know, when you come to a fork in the road, I, I've always said as a business person, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. You go right or you go left. The way that we used to make decisions uh, based on all of my collective experience, based on what I've read about the right side of the road, the left side of the road thing about social media now is, is our algorithms are determining paths that we're predisposed to going down. So basically, I'm reading more about an opinion I'm predisposed to having instead of both sides. I'm, I'm get, it doesn't matter what the product is. You talk about it. If I talk about, oh, I would like to, you know, I need a product to grow my hair. You can bet I'm going to see hair growth, you know, products in, in, in my feed. Everybody is floored by this that and some people say, oh, it's great because I'm actually looking for this particular type of product. Other people find it, you know, that's completely like, well, how is it that social media knows what I'm looking for when I'm looking for it? Well, it depends if you're watching on video, Eric. I mean, for people watching, you obviously need more hair. But if you're just listening, it's not obvious. Well, you know, I, I, I had a bad hair childhood, so it's OK if I have less of it. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, it is changing the way that we think, and that's not a plus. We should, the way that decisions are made, in my opinion, should be made the way they were, you know, before social media. I knew, um, you know, the phenomenon of Twitter, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a news junkie for a living. Um, and I was sitting in my office uh, when Captain Sully landed the plane on the Hudson. And 
I saw it on my Twitter feed. I saw all those people standing out on the wing. I was like, whoa. And I got eight different networks on my wall, eight different screens, uh, 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 news networks. Not one of them had it. Uh, seven minutes later, CNN did seven minutes after Twitter. I knew that Twitter, I knew that, I knew that moment. Twitter was going to be the match that lights a news cycle. And lo and behold, Twitter became the match that lit the news cycle. So, you know, how social mediums grow up and the way that they're incorporated and integrated with, you know, you know, the types of media that I grew up on, you know, are, it's evolving and it's evolving at warp speed and artificial intelligence is all going to make that significantly more. Threads is a really, you know, it's a fascinating, um, or, or it will be a fascinating case study. I mean, we're only two weeks in. Right. Uh, Eric, you wrote um, back in 2006, public relations for dummies. I'm not sure whether all public relations people are dummy, are dummies, but um, isn't social media just the, excuse the vulgarity of this phrase, the, the wet dream of PR people like yourself. It allows anyone to pretend that they're somebody else and go out and promote themselves. Isn't uh, that what PR yeah. is? Yeah, I would say it's the opposite. Um, you know, in the old days, you had to pay people like me to get on television, to get on radio, to be covered in the newspaper, to have your own show. You know, have you? You know, we have we got podcasts, we got blogs, we have all sorts of you know digital media that's either as relevant, if not more relevant. The numbers um, are greater than you know what used to be network news. So now, I mean. Uh, guys like me, we liked it the way that it used to be. What we've had to do as an organization, if we wanted to stay relevant, was stay relevant with all the cutting edge technology as it evolved. Because all of our clients, you know, they need it. They need to be. They need. So what do you tell a client? Do you take control of their Twitter feeds or their uh, Threads feeds? Nah, definitely. Do you tell not. them what they should and shouldn't say. Well, now, um, I, I mean. You know, with the professional athletes, just as an example, you know, when they're tweeting in the locker room, it's, you know, it's my worst nightmare. You know, kids in their 20s tweeting that, you know, about something that they're pissed off about that they should not have said on Twitter. It turns into a whole story for a day. Um, no, we don't. We don't take it, it, further. When people ask me about social media, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, banned for life from Twitter. Um, I don't know if that'll change with Elon. For Why are you banned? Well, my band, quote unquote, election interference. And my my grievous crime was I said, hashtag vote. I got to that. That was it. Gone for life. I had a half a million uh, people that followed me on Twitter at the time. It was a really influential medium for me. And I could never get it back. And why were you banned? I don't get it. No, nah, I never should have been. I'm, 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 who knows what the real reason was? I'm sure it was politically motivated. I mean, I By, like, on what side? What were you telling people to do? Vote for or against Trump? Um, well, I was a pundit for a very long time on, on, on what would be considered a controversial network. And I'm sure that people... Which network? I was on Fox for a decade or eight years uh, through two presidential election cycles after I left the Obama White House. Um, you know, li- uh, token liberal Democrat uh, on a network that wasn't partial to token liberal Democrats. So I wasn't very popular with the viewers. I have no idea. I mean, I had lawyers who spent a lot of money to get me back on Twitter. I never could. What never- year were you banned? Uh, I've been off of Twitter for four years now. So, and, and Musk didn't put you back. I would have thought you'd be the kind of guy, but Musk would love to have back. Um, 
I would have thought so too. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm interested in it anymore anyway, but it was devastating to me. I mean, a half million followers took a long time to get that. I was devastated. Why and, were you devastated? I mean, devastated personally or, or professionally? Um, because I could, I could move a needle with my, when I tweeted something, it got attention. I could make, you know, I could create my own news cycles with my own Twitter and, and the quality following that I had, but it's a cautionary tale for anybody who's using social media at all for any type of marketing, whether it's personally, professionally, or, or for corporations. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. When I was younger, I, I, I knew social media was going to be a big deal. Um, and, you know, I, I, I bet on it with my time. I didn't know who would be Facebook and who would be MySpace, if anybody even remembers MySpace. I didn't know. I had no way of knowing. And I don't know, you know, five years from now, what will Twitter be and what will Threads be? Well, Threads, you know, I mean, where's Google Plus? Maybe you should uh, write a book, Social Media for Dummies. Um, no, you know what the thing about it is, is, is that, and I tell all my clients this because they ask me, you know, now I have a, I have a pretty significant following on Instagram. Um, uh, people ask me, they want my advice on, so, I don't give it. I mean, if you're a Kardashian, it's easy. Uh, if you're not, it's, it, it is a practice in my own agency and every client asks about it and every client would pay us for this. I just won't do it because I don't believe I'm an expert in it. I think if you want an expert, get a 20 year old. They're, they're fast. How old are you, Eric? I'm 62. I mean, do you think that most people in their 60s, when I think when I was growing up, my 60s seemed pretty old. My grandparents were 60, although I guess 60 always seems old to, to little kids. Yeah. But all these 60-year-olds now are on social media and they're all bothered if they're thrown off one platform or another. Isn't it a bit weird? Yeah, well... I mean, haven't you got more important things to worry about than whether or not you're on Instagram or Twitter? Uh, uh, yeah, you do. I mean, if, you're, if you do what I do for a living, you need to have a presence. Um, however, yes, of course. I mean, you know, when Facebook in its early days was... I, I, I loved sharing family pictures with my family. It, then it turned into 5,000 of my not-so-closest friends, and 4,500 of them were journalists because that's what I do for a living. And it, it, trust me, there's nobody that I do work with that needs to see me with my shirt off on the beach, you know, in the summer. Nobody. My family's a different story. But, you know, it grew up in ways that I didn't predict. I thought it was great for, you know, family and relatives and friends. But, you know, it became, in my case, uh, most of my quote-unquote friends on Facebook are press people, uh, which, which takes sucks out all the joy of, of my personal life because I'm not going to be putting too much of it up there anymore. There was an interesting piece recently, actually earlier this week, Eric, uh, on the BBC about um, some companies choosing to leave the platforms. They are withdrawing. They're not advertising anymore. They're not even participating. What do you advise clients corporate clients who come to you when they say should we be on these platforms is it really worth it is it worth all the effort and um, all the risk uh, i i do think it's worth it um the, the companies and the individuals they decide how much time they want to put into it the interesting thing about it was you know when i was younger uh, direct response marketing or advertising was it was advertising that we could measure if we spent x and we made y we knew, you know, what was worth it and what wasn't. If you were buying television time, I used to do infomercials 40 years ago. I would buy all the remnant, you know, the, the only time I could afford was you know, mostly late night, off hours. But I could tell 
what what messages were and what you know day parts were that to me was a great investment i never after i would learn and lose a little bit of money i would just put all the money you know in the day parts that worked and with the words that worked it you know i i tried to morph that over the course of my career into public relations i said look it's it what, what matters is uh, I, one i don't believe any press is good press um and two i think that some press nobody will it, it it's not gonna what's your objective what do you want the exposure for and the thing about social media is you can measure it and i, I do think that there's something positive about that you have an interesting uh quote uh you you wrote uh, uh, sorry you you quote Peter Drucker the most important thing in communication is hearing what isn't said why why do you think well, uh, that that Drucker remark is so important for PR well I just think that you know this is the thing about you know and, and look I'm not I'm not complaining about this I'm not whining about this it it just is or the the way that we communicate the way that we socialize the way that we'll have a conversation is it one it's a dying art when i was a kid i was a very shy kid um which is ironic because i'm the opposite as an adult one of the reasons that i'm the, the opposite as an adult is because i couldn't text a, a friend a, a girlfriend a potential girlfriend uh, uh somebody that i wanted to work for i could there was no texting you had to talk you had to learn how to you know communicate and part of communicating is literally looking at the person that you're talking at i always say there's this is what happens in every boardroom I'm ever in. There's two meetings that go on in a boardroom. There's the meeting of what did everybody say, which is usually what everybody listens to. And then there's the meeting of what is everybody thinking? That's the much more important meeting, what everybody's thinking. And if you pay attention to people, you'll always know what they're thinking. Their body language always be be betrays people when they're not saying what they're actually thinking. It, and it's so much easier for me, it always was. I always knew what was really going on in the room. So, you know, to me, it was always what, what, what wasn't being said was always much more important than what was being said. I think but how people, can you hear what isn't being said? You don't you don't hear it. You watch it. I mean, literally, you watch it when somebody is disingenuous, when you don't know this when you're having it. I mean, I've I, I've studied body language. I've taught it. I taught, you know, I media trained for, I don't know, 25 years, senior executives of the Fortune 500. I taught people about body language. How do you get people? Why are you even interested in what I'm saying? Uh, what compels you to say, hmm, what an interesting point of view. Oh, that guy is tell he, he's telling the truth. Or in, in your head saying, eh, don't really, not really buying it. In part, we all have this radar, by the way. We just don't trust it. Um, and, and we, you know, we probably didn't read a dozen books on it and teach it. But if you watch people while you're talking to them, your guttural instincts will always tell you what the real conversation is. What are we not saying in this conversation, Eric? Uh, well, one, I think I, I don't get to look at you the, the entire time that I'm on. If I could watch you and I could see, it would be great. Because then I would say, oh, let me think. He thinks I'm very smart. This is a really good interview. Or he's like, eh, when I book this guy. What do you think? What am I thinking? I don't know. I don't think I've sold you yet. <laughs> nah, you still got a little bit of time. You've, you've, got a, you've got a book coming up, another book. Um, I think maybe your eighth or your ninth book coming. Yeah. Right, uh, the Audacity of Silver Linings, A Scent of Optimism. That's encouraging. 
Cheer me yeah. up, Eric. What's what, why are you uh, optimistic? What's happening in the next few years? Leaving aside social media, I don't think anyone's particularly optimistic about I, that. I just think that you know we've been through some extraordinary times. You know they're probably going to be continuing, but the pandemic itself was extraordinary. I mean, we all had to go home. I mean, for a long period of time, uh, and people were afraid, uh, justifiably so. Uh, I look at a, a congressional testimony that Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers gave before Congress. This is before there was PBS. And one of the things that he said in that congressional testimony was that, you know, in times of trouble, if you look for the helpers, to look for the helpers, because if you see that there's helpers, you know that there's hope. I'm all about hope. And, you know, what I found during the pandemic was I, I, I had, uh, and, and I was a little bit unintentional viral phenomenon all over the world because I had, I had COVID early. I had it bad early, actually. And I was very public about it. Um, it. Because I was public about it on social media, it caught like wildfire in the press. I was in papers all over the world. And my entire message was a hopeful message. Uh, and people were looking for hopeful messages. And I think in general that if you can see something or someone that gives you a reason to feel positive or hopeful and not so doom and gloom, like I think we felt for a long time, it's, it's a big plus. And I did find that, you know, I had a near death experience basically with, with COVID the first time that I had it. And here I am. I mean, how much better does it get than that? And the whole time that I had it, I found it very, it felt great to be telling people you know, what does it feel like? I mean, I, I was on oxygen for over 80 days. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know if I was going to get better. No doctor, doctors didn't know anything. We were all petrified. I, I, I felt like I could will myself to feeling better. And it, even if I was wrong, I could make a lot of other people feel better. And that felt great. And I made people feel great. It's all the way around. Hope is such a positive thing. Uh, I wish I could share that, Eric. Um, you're a ex, as you said, a Fox guy. You've been thrown off Twitter, so you at least have two things in common with a certain Donald Trump. Are you optimistic that he's going to go away? I mean, what's your take on him? He seems to be reappearing. We've had a few years where we haven't been obsessed with him. What's your take on Trump as a PR guy? Well, he's, I mean, as a PR guy, he, he's the best PR guy I know. Unfortunately, I mean, he's I don't look up to very many people. I'm talking PR, every, nothing else. He not, he changes. You know, I was in a White House. His stories move quickly. They're one day stories. He mastered the art of making it. He, he, he can have, we can have three stories in the course of the day. He throws us off in every which way and it works. Um, and, and, you know, personally, I'm concerned about that. I mean, you, you better. I, I knew no matter what happens, whether he becomes the candidate or not, whether these zillion lawsuits against him, something prevails. Another one, you know, announced today. Um, we're going to be hearing about him a lot because he's going to make sure that we do. And, you know, that, you know, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but that makes a lot of people very, very nervous. I mean, what we went through as a country, I don't, I don't really want to go through again. Eric, uh, you mentioned that you worked in the Obama White House. Obama was described as the first Internet president. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure whether 
everybody thinks of Trump as the first social media president, but it seems pretty obvious to me that he's a product of social media. Would you agree with that? I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. what produced what? It goes back to who's using who was. So did social media produce Trump or did Trump compound the influence of social media? Uh, he did, uh, you know, interesting thing about Obama at the time, and I don't know that people remember this, and I used to talk about this a lot, um, uh, micro-targeting and how he used uh, information and, you know, on the Internet, on Twitter, um, social media that was just being sort of born you know, with him, it, uh, Obama did a hell of a job of using it. N nothing like Trump. I mean, Trump, you know, he hijacked Twitter um, and it worked. It, literally, whatever he tweeted, you would watch it on your television set five seconds later, if that. So, you know, he he, he saw the tool for what it was. Uh, I think he shocked you know, a lot of people by seeing how powerful that was. What were you doing in the Obama administration? What was your job? Communications. I was on the transition team between Bush and Obama, which is a fascinating time to be, you know, in the White so House. Who were you working for, Bush or Obama? Uh, Obama. Um, the the uh, it's it, the transition between Bush and Obama is regarded by uh, uh, political historians as the smoothest transition between uh, presidents of, of of different parties. What they don't say about that is is because all we talked about was terrorism. And the whole country, we, we were all together. We were all kumbaya. You know, everybody wanted to, you know, protect, you know, protect the United States. So uh, it, 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 it was a very, probably the, the best transition, you know, in, in all of history to be an insider for. Eric, you, you know better than I do. You're sitting on 42nd Street in downtown New York, in the middle of New York. Nothing ever stands still. What comes after social media? Well, artificial intelligence is going to is going to change. It's going to change social media. It's going to change information dissemination, and things are going to get faster. Um, and so I, I'm More not speed. We are, don't we, isn't it fast enough already? Um, well, yeah, it's fast enough already. It, it, it was fast enough a decade ago. Uh, it's going to get faster. And the thing about it is, is, is that unlike you know the 62 year old sitting here, who, who's you know I, I've had a great life. I've had a great career. I'm not nearly as look. I look at a kid in a stroller, you know, who's got you know the mom's iPad or, 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 or an iPhone, and the way that they move around on their on you know with their, their devices, they're born digital. They're way faster than we are. That's the norm for them as children. Imagine how they're going to grow up. So yeah, it's it's fast enough for me for damn sure, but not for them. But what will that mean? What will the world look like in five or ten years? Or well, oh, I think that, you know, when you're trying to when you when you're trying to process, you know, uh, complex sets of information, fast is not necessarily good, in the least. I mean, I need time to process, you know, complicated uh, subject matter. Politics is a perfect example, and I don't want it coming at me so rapid fire. I would rather have you know a moment to give it some thought, but. You know, and, 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 and that is what, you know, ex-President Trump did. He, you know, three times a day. It, it, it was one scandal in the morning, one scandal at lunch, and one scandal, you know, at dinner. And then if he woke up in the middle of the night, all bets were off for what we saw when we woke up in the morning. That's what he did. Final, finally, let's come back to where we began with social media, Twitter, and uh, threads. 
I think you noted that Threads is trying to be different from Twitter. How can Twitter learn to be different from Twitter? Uh, Musk has appointed uh, a new CEO, Linda Yaccarino, um, another Y executive, uh, Eric. What should she do? What advice would you give her? Well, I doubt she's going to take my advice. Well, she might. Uh, you take, know, I, 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 I mean, I'm sure you want her to put you back on, leaving that aside. <laughs> um, look, I, you know, I think that uh, I always was an advocate for Twitter having tighter controls than they had. Um, it was so easy. It remains so easy to spread misinformation. That's never going to be a good thing. It, it, and it's not like it hasn't been going on forever. When I was a kid in the business, a friend of mine was a producer at 2020. 2020 was, you know, neck and neck with 60 minutes. Most prestigious news show of the, you know, in the two, two, two most prestigious news shows in the country, obviously 60 minutes survived in 2020, you know, is, is no longer. But Danny said to me, and this is when we were kids, he was leaving 2020 to write a book. And I said, are you, you gotta be kidding me. Why, why would you leave 2020? The book that he wrote was called, this is 35 years ago. The more you watch, the less you know. Mm. So, you know, information dissemination being distorted and manipulated, that's not a new thing. It's just faster. It, it, uh, there's so much more of it, and it's so easy to do now. So you kind of agree with uh, Yacharina. Her first email to the employees said that Twitter's goal is to be the world's most accurate real-time information source, replacing uh, newspapers or, or television or both, essentially. Yeah, well, if, it, it, if only that was possible. I mean, it, you know, it's a great goal. I would love to see that happen. I mean, again... Not, not to keep dating myself, but when I was a kid, Cronkite used to say at the end of the CBS Evening News, and that's the way it was. And every, that's what everybody thought. Okay, Cronkite just said it. That's what it was. It wasn't any debate about, you know, he's right, he's left. There was none of that. It was that we counted on the news being accurate. I'm not saying that it was, but we counted on it being accurate. It, it would sure be nice to see that again.